Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Eric Barreto. And I'm Catherine Schiffernicke. And today joining us is Craig Kester, teaches New Testament here at the seminary. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Good to have you here, Craig. So we ask you the question, uh, how do I read the book of Revelation? Uh, now, as we know, and as I'm sure all of our listeners know, uh, the book of Revelation has given rise to just lots and lots of, of um tabloid headlines and end-of-the-world predictions and uh, books and uh, movements. We think uh, most recently of the Left Behind series of books and Harold Camping, who who thought that he could predict the exact day of the end of the world. And he's uh, just the latest in a long line of people who think that they uh, know exactly when the world is going to end. What is it about this book that gives rise to this kind of sensationalism? Yeah, the... Uh the book of Revelation certainly does have that. It seems to have this sense of, of telling us what's going to happen, when, and how. And I think most of us, we, we want to know. Yeah, I, sure. You know, we do want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> and if you're listening to most news reporting, I mean, it'll be a little bit of information and then all kinds of commentary trying to figure out what are the implications. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what is this going to mean for life next week, next month, next year? Uh, we, we we plan our lives around having some anticipation of what's going to come. Is the economy going to going to improve or is it going to tank? You yeah, know, is there going to yeah. be uh, heightened unemployment? Are my property values going to plummet or are they going to escalate? We we want to know. I mean, we orient our lives toward a sense of what the future holds, and certainly with um, with life in the twenty first century as has been true for the last 21 centuries too. <laughs> uh, the, uh, there's an all there are all kinds of things that make people uneasy. Um, I mean, certainly there's a sense of life as precarious, life as tenuous, and so if there's a book in the Bible that gives us some promise that maybe here, maybe there really is a script. It may look like things are spinning out of control, but there really is a script. It's there in the Bible. If you learn the script, you'll have a sense of how to keep your bearings through all of this kind of uh, turmoil that's coming. Um, you sometimes get people then who want to take that uh, to the nth degree by predicting when the end of the world is going to come, uh, although that would probably be more the exception than the rule. Uh, a lot of the speculation about Revelation would be more trying to make sense of current, um, I don't know, terrorist plots in the world. I mean, we've got these forces of evil that are constantly cropping up and we can never seem to really get things stabilized. Um, there are all of these kinds of sense in which the economy is spinning out of control. Is there is there really some master plan behind all of this that's really going to bring it out in the end to something good? And who is the Antichrist? Right? Yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> is, and is there some figure out there who's really yeah, masterminding yeah. the you know the, the demise? Is, of is it part the of it world? that we want somebody to blame at least for some of this stuff, or somebody to blame and then at least know that well uh, God's in control, so everything will be all right in the end? There's that's a big piece of it. If uh, around the Antichrist speculation, this this idea that there is some kind of a global ruler out there, or some uh, if you if you like conspiracy theories yes, about how yeah, the world yeah, operates. Yeah. Uh, then the Antichrist fits that fits that bill. He's a sinister figure who's out there. We might not be able to identify him, but we got some hunches about who it might be. And he's going to try to garner greater amounts of political control, limit our freedom, control the economy. Uh, and so you begin looking for people to uh, to blame, but then also realize exactly as you said, Eric, that God is ultimately in control. 
So if the book of Revelation is not about the exact date of the end of the world or trying to figure out who exactly the Antichrist is. What is it about? So we've been talking about those who sensationalize the book of Revelation, but um, as is true in many, for us, I think mostly, and for many of our listeners, we probably go to the other extreme and just totally ignore the book of Revelation uh, because it does seem so very strange. What's, uh, what is it about? What is, uh, why should we read the book of Revelation? Why should, why we, should read we read it is a great question, and it's exactly uh, the right one. Because if, um, if people are turned off by all the sensationalism, and I think a great many people are turned off by that, they, they do tend to just shove Revelation aside. And that's uh, tended to be a common answer, is just to uh, let, uh, the, let those who are interested in, in global speculation have it, and we'll, we'll go elsewhere. I think um, in terms of why people should read it, uh, maybe start with the title, Revelation. Uh, Revelation is a book that's designed to disclose, to give perspective on things. That's really what it's about. Um, you don't go to the book uh, if you're looking for a chronological outline of the history of the world. What you go there to find is perspective. And then to ask, perspective on what? Uh, what is the book disclosing? What is it showing me? Um, in many ways, the book of Revelation is like a piece of great art. It enables you to see things uh, through a different lens that you might have missed uh, otherwise. It's, it uses bold colors. It uses wild shapes. But it's trying to get at things that are important and uh, that have to do with the world in which we live. Probably the center uh, of the book is what does it reveal about God? Mm. Uh, that uh, People would find that surprising, but the center of the book is what does it reveal about who is God? Uh, and at the center of Revelation is the God who has created all things, uh, the God whose uh, will is for uh, creation and whose, uh, the outcome of whose purposes are to make all things new. That's where the book ends. What else does the book offer perspective on? The book offers perspective on who is Christ. And you find in Revelation that Christ is the Lamb who was slain. Hmm. It offers a perspective on how does how is the power of God unleashed, and it's unleashed through the the power of Christ's uh, sacrifice. It uh, it's a power that's self-sacrificing love. That's the way in which people are redeemed. That's the way in which the kingdom of God is brought about, and that's a perspective you don't just find uh, anywhere on the street. Sometimes when I uh, am teaching Revelation different places, uh, what I find um, most interesting is to say that Revelation really isn't as strange as most people think, because the images about who is God and, and who is Christ have found their way into our worship all the time. Uh, that many of the, the best-loved hymns, whether you like traditional hymnody or, or contemporary uh, Christian music, uh, if you're singing uh, about "Worthy is the Lamb," mm -hmm. if you're singing about uh, the, the Lamb, you know the Lamb upon His throne. If you're singing "Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty," you're singing Revelation, mm. and Revelation has given many, many people their native language of faith, and they just don't know it. Mm -hmm. But it has to do with what is the book revealing to them about who is God, about who is Christ, and then finally, who are they? And what does it mean to be a person of faith living in a world in which the forces of evil are real, in which the call to faithfulness is also real? I wonder if one key for, for our hearers, for people who want to read Revelation, 
So I think the first thing I think about Revelation often is these, these fantastic images of beasts and dragons and horsemen. But what if we remember that, that scene early in the book where we have God enthroned in a throne room and the lamb that was slain, and that even as we get lost in this myriad of, of really big fireworks and stuff that should be in an action movie, that we always come back to that throne room and remember that it's about ultimately about God and about who Jesus is. So that might be a really good key for us, a good way to kind of keep us centered as we're moving through the book. Right. I think people often miss that, but but those it would be chapters four and five of Revelation really do anchor that notion of who is God and who is Christ. And they anchor the, the identity of God, the power of God in his power to create. Uh, that, that, that has to do with God's claim upon the earth, which is why um, God is about the business of opposing those forces that bring destruction to mm. the earth. Mm-hmm. When you get to the middle of the book, uh, the, as the, the conflict is elaborated further in the middle of the book, the end of chapter 11, which is right there at the center, um, talks about the time has come to destroy the destroyers of mm-hmm. the earth. Mm-hmm. The revelation perceives evil as a kind of cancer that has invaded the body. And the question is, how do you push back the cancer? How, how do you uh, how do you overcome those forces that are are diminishing life that that are that are taking life away mm-hmm. you you, de- you don't destroy the earth you don't destroy the life you destroy the destroyers mm. that's the goal of revelation and periodically throughout the book there will be a call to worship the god who made heaven and earth and the the sea and springs of water that will come back all the way through the book the most common way in which christ is identified is as the lamb Right. That there's a remembrance of when you think of Christ, think of lamb, think of love, think of self-sacrifice. Think of a weakness, a power through weakness. Exactly. That's how the power of God is unleashed. Right. And when you realize that lamb is the defining image of Christ in Revelation, mm-hmm. it changes the way you read the book. Yeah. I wonder if another anchor point for us is first we think about God and, and God's throne room. and We think about this image of Jesus as this uh, lamb who was slain. The other thing that you talk about in the essay is to remember that the book starts not with these fantastic images, but with seven letters to seven churches, uh, very different churches all all, all displayed there. Um, and, and earlier we talked about um, all the anxieties that our, our world is currently undergoing, whether it's economic anxieties, political anxieties, anxieties in the church, um, that in some ways the ancient world wasn't all that different, that these same, many of these same anxieties were, 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 were residing then, and these seven churches are receiving this word of hope um, and it, it, it really conflicted in difficult world. Exactly. Those uh, those first several chapters, chapters one, two, three, which talk about kind of the, the beginning of the book and the initial uh, uh, address to these seven churches, it, it's, it's just a goldmine in terms of uh, g- getting a sense of who is this book written for? What kind of human issues does it address? And you find that, gosh, these people were, were struggling uh, with various kinds of things. And what's interesting is that the challenges weren't all alike. Revelation wasn't written for just one kind of person, uh, which I find encouraging because it, today it's not being read by just one kind of person. I mean, in, the, in those first several chapters, you find that there are some Christians who are really struggling. There's social conflict. Uh, they're feeling harassed. They're feeling marginalized. They're feeling threatened. Uh, and the question is, why should I hang on? I mean, why hang on uh, mm-hmm. to the faith? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it seems like it, it, I'm just constantly facing uh, circumstances that in which social conflict is going to overwhelm me. At the other end, though, there are people who are just 
life is really easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're rich, we're prosperous, we don't need a thing, it says to the church at Laodicea. They're, they're Christians who are complacent. Uh, life is pretty good. Uh, and in many ways for them, the challenge is comfort, that they've become so comfortable that they're no longer capable of sort of seeing the powers at work in the world uh, that, that really threaten the challenge, uh, the, the purposes of God, the life-giving purposes of God. They're kind of uh, lulled into this mode of indifference, uh, and that creates its own kind of problem. In between, there are people who are trying to figure out, I mean, how, how far can I uh, compromise my faith before I've compromised too far? <laughs> I mean, for Christians back in the first century, it was, can I eat food that's been offered to Greco-Roman gods? But it's really getting at the bigger issue of, if I just want to get along, uh, if I've got family and friends who aren't don't share my faith, um, how far can I go in just kind of compromising that, keeping it under wraps? How far do I kind of shelve it in order to keep my social life uh, working smoothly? And at what point do I really feel like I've sold out, like I no longer uh, am living out the convictions that I have about who God is, who Christ is, who I am in relation to them? And so when you keep that range of people in mind, the book takes on a, a kind of incredible power saying if you're feeling harassed or if you're feeling way too comfortable or somewhere in between, well, Revelation's got a message for you, um, calling you to this kind of renewed sense of the vitality of God, the purposes of God, the realities of evil and the challenges that that presents, and a a kind of a renewed call to commitment uh, that I think is one that we continually need to hear every generation. What uh, I found a lot about uh, your essay and this conversation uh, really helpful, Craig. Uh, I'm thinking particularly of your point. You talked earlier about comparing uh, Revelation to uh, a, a painting, uh, an artist, uh, and you talk in your essay about the use of word pictures. Uh, so, uh, as you say, um, most often when the writer speaks of Christ, he pictures a slaughtered and yet living lamb. Um, and there's all these strange beasts, of course, uh, in Revelation. It seems to it, it struck me as I read that, and as I uh, just heard you speaking, that uh, we really need imagination to to read Revelation rightly. Uh, that we not not a literalistic kind of you know who what what do the seven heads represent or uh, or whatever, but. But what does this image evoke uh, in my imagination uh, and in the original hearers and readers? Um, and how does that relate to uh, what God is up to in the world and the experiences that, that I'm having uh, in the world? That uh, Whether it's uh, complacency and needing to realize that there is evil present or whether it's the opposite, uh, um, recognizing the evil but knowing that, that evil is not ultimate, that God is in control. Right. Those word pictures are are both the uh, probably the most powerful and compelling part of Revelation, and that's also the point where people get most confused. Yeah. What's interesting and important to remember, I think, is that nobody takes Revelation absolutely literally all the way through. Not even the most literalistic interpreters are waiting for uh, the news camera crews to get out there and see a seven-headed monster come ambling out of the the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Everybody realizes that that's a word picture. It's Mm -hmm. talking about... um, Kind of forms of political oppression, uh, form you know, political structures that have become uh, diminishing, controlling in ways that that run counter to the purposes of God. 
Same thing with the, with the four horsemen that come galloping out there. They represent threats. Nobody's expecting the news crews to get a, <laughs> a, a photograph of these horsemen, you know, charging yeah. down Pennsylvania Avenue to do an attack on the White House. Everybody realizes that they're word pictures for things that that threaten. And so to recognize that, that that really for all of us, we're all on this, we're all at the same point here, trying to think about how do these word pictures work. Um, that opens up some really promising ways to to read Revelation. You know, when we sing hymns talking about Christ as Lamb, we don't analyze that as trying to figure out does he have four legs really? Well, no, we know he doesn't. Um, but it's talking about it's talking about the character of Christ, the the nature of Christ's work. Um, same thing when you get the beast imagery. It's talking about powers at work in the world that are uh, that are about the business of diminishing life, threatening life, taking life away. Uh, what does it mean when those powers are at work in the political systems, the economic systems, the social systems in, uh, of, of the world in which we live? Uh, and that's what Revelation's word pictures are really driving us to see, is can you discern these uh, life-destroying forces in the world of which you are a part? And if so, what does it mean to resist them? Uh, what does it mean to be uh, connected to the God who creates and the Christ who redeems uh, through the power of self-sacrifice? And what is that then? How does that shape a way of living and being in the world right now? Yeah. W- one more question. Uh, we had talked uh, earlier about the group of people that we probably most closely match. That is, that that are perhaps afraid to read the Book of Revelation or ignore it because it does seem too strange, too odd. Um, what do What do we lose if we lose that? Um, uh, eschatology, to use the big theological term, right? The the idea that we're going somewhere, that the story has an end, and that God is uh, in control, <laughs> and that God has a, um, a, a plan for how that ends. Uh, wh- why is that important, that idea of, of an end to the story? Yeah. I think no human being can live without hope. I have no reason to get out of bed in the morning if I don't have some sense of there being a future. Uh, and the question is, what defines my future hope? What, what, what is it that, uh, that enables me to, uh, to have a, a, a clear picture of, of what the future ultimately holds? What Revelation gives us is, um, is an image of the future, a way of thinking about the future that's ultimately characterized by life. That the book doesn't end with the destruction of the planet. The book ends um, with a, with a new Jerusalem, and whose gates are always open to receive the nations and kings of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, a place uh, where the tree of life is found, with its leaves that are for the healing of the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an image that that is uh, ultimately life giving, and given only what I see in my own experience. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily be so optimistic. Uh, there are all kinds of reasons for despair uh, in the world in which we live. But Revelation challenges those in saying, ultimately, the victory belongs to life, uh, to the God who gives life. And through its compelling pictures, I think, defines a hope that uh, continues to call us forward uh, in the face of despair to a future that's God's future, and that future is life. I think the image of the New Jerusalem is a great place for us to wrap up this kind of picture of hope, this picture of life everlasting. And 
and these gates wide open for anyone to to step into the city. Thank you, Craig, for for having a really stimulating article and a, a great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Am I right that you uh, wrote the entries for Revelation on Enter the Bible? That's right. Org? Yes. So for more information, please uh, uh, go to enterthebible.org to read more of, of Craig's uh, insights into the Book of Revelation. Thank you for joining us in Bible Q and A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.